The lights on. Are the lights off. Okay, doors are open because I. Oh, I gotta close. It. Oh, camera A. No, no, no camera C. Uh, 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 it's Jump Scare Simulator 1999. We are talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Hey, Miles, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty good, Drew. How are you? I'm doing all right here on the More You Nerd podcast, where we are in the middle of our trunk or treat Halloween festivities. Where we're talking about the spooky, scary, but also kind of family friendly side of things. Yeah, and, and this week's entry, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, is interesting because this I would say is on the older part of the spectrum. Now we at the beginning of the month kind of loosely defined the tween audience as I think around uh, anywhere from nine to 16. And, and that's probably an, a, just a loose definition as it is. And so I can definitely see this on the older end, but this is a game as we're going to talk about that, that whole, that whole spectrum globbed onto. And that's what, one thing I think we need to talk a little bit about is while we are doing family friendly stuff, young kids have always been super interested in scary things. I'm not, not universally, obviously there are some kids who just stunned interest in them or they get scared easily. It's not a big deal, but a lot of kids, especially growing up a lot of my friends who maybe didn't carry it on as adults but it was more of a let's see how tough we are let's see how <laughs> how much we can we can take of this movie like i i forget the feeling of getting a tape from blockbuster or movie or whatever local pick a flick and it was always like a roulette it's like is this gonna be the one that does it like is this gonna be what's too scary you know there was always a lot of these movies that we were watching were perceived classics and stuff like that and we're at a slumber party and we hear all these things like oh I heard this movie so intense they had barf bags in theaters and so it was this rite of passages as young you know film fans as as young kids that we would watch movies that we were probably not supposed to see (laughs) (laughs) I mean that was definitely a thing like staying up late or waking up really late when you knew your parents were asleep and turning to the channel that showed the scary stuff and even then it was cable at least for me USA Network or something USA Up All Night (laughs) yeah USA Up All Night exactly playing like this B movie horror thing and like i didn't have hbo or anything when i was growing up so it was never like the actual cut of the movie it was always the the tv cut we didn't know that we didn't know know that i i don't think i watched alien until like the actual alien movie until (laughs) way later but uh oh i probably didn't either i probably i probably caught aliens on sci-fi back when it was called sci-fi channel i mean maybe in the early 90s and getting some of it but then i remember renting it for the first time and seeing everything they cut out which which wasn't just gore and stuff just a huge chunk of the movie cut for time and that was like my first experience of oh they they cut things out when they take commercial breaks like i just had no idea you know (laughs) (laughs) well let's so let's switch our focus to the actual game in question right now which is five nights at freddy's which uh we're going to talk a lot about today because this was miles and i both of our first experiences with this game uh despite the fact that it has been a huge uh a part of, of of indie gaming culture in the last few years so for the better part of a decade 
decade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Five Nights at Freddy's has a, a weird and almost kind of sad start because the story itself begins with failure. So Scott Cawthon, who is the creator and sole developer of, of the Five Nights at Freddy's series, released a game in 2013 called Chipper and Sons Lumber Company, a family friendly game about a beaver named Tyke. And prior to this uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, Cawthon had developed mostly family friendly and Christian aimed games until the release of Chipper and Sons sent him into a, a pretty rough depression. Basically, critter, critics, not critters, but critics uh, and gamers alike criticized the game with the common complaint that that the animals in the game, uh, which were these sort of cutesy CG animated, you know, beavers in this game, anyway. supposed to be cutesy, <laughs> were kind of terrifying and that they looked like animatronic dolls. But uh, so so basically he he had put all this heart and soul into this this game that he thought was 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 worth releasing but people were criticizing that the game was fine but that it was all just a little off a little weird a little spooky yeah i think i think people thought the game itself was you know mildly boring and it looks mildly boring but the yeah the characters they they honestly look exactly like not exactly like but very similar to what will become the five nights at freddy's characters so i i get what the reviewers were saying yeah and it, it all and all of this this reaction to this game including reactions from prominent youtube and and other gaming personalities that's sort of i think the thing that that really sparked this if this game this game came out and it got picked up by like jim sterling and a few other people that are kind of known in the indie game circles otherwise i think he probably would have just gone on and not spent another thought about this he made like 30 40 games before he made this like he was i mean it's kind of an indie game workhorse i mean just made these little simple games yeah but and so all of this gave him the idea yeah this for whatever reason this particular game took off in a negative way and it gave him a lot of attention so he decided to take inspiration from his distractors uh cawthorne took the idea of the creepy animatronics and turned his attention to making a horror game based on the old classic classic show pieces at pizza restaurants like showbiz pizza and then later chuck e cheeses particularly uh the the more famous one being the uh rockafire explosion which i personally have super fond memories of there's even a documentary about them these things so the horror yeah the documentary about the rockafire explosion specifically is because i've 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 watched this documentary yeah i have too and and and, and, i set the cover to you so you could see just these faces yeah no i'm now i'm now flashing back uh uh in a a weird like jacob's ladder situation where i just (laughs) basically these are animatronic uh uh, animals at this point i'm sure most of the people that that we are are speaking to are familiar with this concept but the thing about this documentary is that they spend a lot of time with collectors of 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 people like basically people who have gone to closings of showbiz pizza restaurants and tricky cheese restaurants and have bought the animatronics and there's one guy in particular who has a bunch of them that just are the animatronics and none of the outer coatings of them and oh god (laughs) i remember i know exactly what you're talking about they're horrifying and he turns one on and it play and like his you can apparently tune them to to playing a cassette of of whatever you want and it'll kind of figure out what it needs to do it's terrifying watching these things without their skin on basically and that's basically five nights at freddy's <laughs> uh this movie i think came out in 2010 or 2012 so i would imagine seeing this because i you know he he even talks about how he grew up with this kind of stuff and i i vividly remember going to those places and being pretty entertained as a kid they didn't 
didn't seem creepy at the time because it was 1988 and no one cared. Yeah. Um, so Cawthorn first established a Kickstarter for the game on June 14, 2014, but quickly took it down three days later. I don't have a lot of information as to the reasoning. I know that it basically took six months to complete the game. So I'm wondering if he wanted to get some sort of distribution or publishing through Kickstarter, which does happen to a lot of games. Maybe. Uh, but the game itself saw uh, players take the role of a night watchman at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. The goal is essentially to stay alive throughout your first shift, which is an entire week, and it takes place from 12 to 5 a.m. During that time, players locked into one location have to keep an eye out for the pizzeria's friendly animatronic performance performers who have a little bit of a habit of roaming the place at night. If one is able to get the player or the player runs out of time, oh, if, if, if a animatronic is able to get player or a player runs out of time or runs out of power, a jump scare scene of one of the animatronics pops out to shock the player. It, it's it's really simple. It's effective and has very few bells and whistles. I like, I do think that it's cool that the game attempts to get shock value and it does. And so how did it players and critics feel about this one this time around? Well, critics lauded the game for its minimalistic approach to gameplay and focuses on creating what indie game magazine referred to as a brutal tension and a fantastic example of how cleverness and design and subtlety can be used to make an experience terrifying. I would agree with that as we're going to get to as we get into this game in a few minutes. The animatronics themselves for being the exact right amount of creepy while also still remembering what animatronics looked like in real life, which I would also agree they pretty much nailed yeah. that kind of thing. And Eurogamer went so far as to compare them to the we- the weeping angels from Doctor Who, uh, who are the uh, the angel statues that when you don't look at them, get all creepy and scary. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that's a great that's a great analogy. Yeah, I don't they, know why it never occurred to me. The, the weeping <laughs> angels in Doctor Who only move when you're not looking at and they can't mm-hmm. move while you're looking at them, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, and that that's cool. But how how are the sales? So the sales. So it was initially released on Dezura, which is a uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's like Steam. R.I.P. I think <laughs> is, this, is it not around anymore. I don't think it's around anymore. Uh, it, it it was, and I'm sure Miles is going to be looking this up as we as I uh, yep. say this. Um, it was a a an indie well, game. The, the Wikipedia starts. Dezura was a digital distribution platform. Yeah. So <laughs> it basically it was it was a digital distribution platform for games that were outside of Steam. It was used for a lot of indie games, a lot of of a lot of indie games uh, that that just didn't have super big publishers. There was uh, some free games, some some sort of uh, I don't want to say shareware, but like it was it was a uh, uh, known for being without DRM and a bunch of other stuff like that. So it was released on Dezura on August 4th of 2014. It became an almost instant hit, the source of a ton of Let's Play videos, basically capitalizing on a bunch of early YouTube and Twitch, probably at the time, Justin TV stuff, uh, just because it was a scary game that you could have people ah, get scared watching. Uh, but well, it, this this echoes the Slender the Eight Pages a few years prior and the kind of explosion of the Slenderman cape uh, character into the mainstream. So that the, the thing about this, I think that we need to kind of emphasize a little bit is, well, it sounds like, oh, yeah, the Let's Play videos, that's that's, you know, yeah, there are a lot of them that at the time was a big, big thing. I mean, that's kind of what led to Twitch booming. Yeah, but not just that, but it beca- it was such a viral thing for kids to play horror games like Slender and then like Freddy's and test their reactions to and, people. And that's the thing, because of the way this game was designed, and I think that Cawthon's pre 
pre prior family friendly and, and, and other types of games thing. This game is not gory really at all. It is no. spooky. It's scary, but it's spooky and scary in a way that is, I don't want to say mental. innocent, but it is all mental. And we'll get into that because we're going to talk about how, what this game is actually like, because I was surprised at what this reaction to the game is. But because of these Let's Play videos featuring a lot of younger gamers showing their reactions to, to those jump scares really hit big. And while we didn't find any hard overall sales for that game, uh, we did find that when the iPhone version was finally released, uh, which was a year later, it averaged about 4,600 downloads per day and earned a daily, daily revenue of $13,879. It's nuts. Uh, it's, it's nuts. A year later and people were like, we're still buying this game on iOS. Yeah, the game became a cultural icon that spawned at least six sequels. There are also spinoff games and there is a seventh sequel coming this year for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, which is crazy. Uh, a ton of memes, toys, merchandise. There is a, uh, a, a Five Nights at Freddy's feature film that is coming up. Not to mention that there was a the the uh, the banana split, the banana. <laughs> yeah, the banana splits. La, 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 la. Yeah, the banana splits. There was a recent movie featuring the banana splits that was a horror movie that yeah. for some reason, because of Five Nights at Freddy's, because it was so popular. It doesn't show yeah. th this franchise doesn't show any signs of slowing down right now. No, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, and for a while he was delivering. I mean, it, it, there have been seven actual, I guess, kind of mainline Five Nights at Freddy's games. The first game came out in 2014. So like and then like you the, mentioned, not, the first game came out in 2014. The second game came out in 2014. The third and fourth game came out in 2015. The 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 fifth game came out in 2016. Then there the, and this is not counting any of the spinoffs or other things that were going on. Yes, I think there, there have are been spinoffs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which I, I will talk about this a little bit, but I do want to read the books. I know he said that the the physically released novels are in an alternate canon, but these uh, Amazon ebooks that they've been putting out recently, and the first one came out this this year, uh, were official canon because this yes, this game has a mythology and and this series has a mythology and because of that mythology i really want to play or at least read about the rest of these games so let's get into it drew let's let's talk about five nights at freddy's so miles uh both of you both you and i knew about this game generally yes. before we played it so my yes. question to you is knowing what you knew about the game that it was about <laughs> a, a a night watchman at a showbiz pizza chuck e cheese thing having to protect themselves from robots run amok how did you think this game was going to be played before you play? Well, I, I can't I can't claim complete ignorance for for what we did this week, because obviously it's been seven years and I have seen footage of the game. But I did buy this when it came out and played for about five minutes before I was interrupted and just never came back to it. Um, so the thing that that surprised me the most was that it was a one location game. Yes, yes. I really expected this to be a little bit more survival horror. On one hand, I find that very, very disappointing and on the other hand i think it's actually genius and especially considering it's one person that did this it makes so much sense so it's yeah it's it's interesting because it is not the experience i was really expecting i i wholeheartedly agree i have never seen gameplay footage of this game i just i've seen freddy and the other characters because they're ubiquitous on the internet and have been since 2014 but all i knew was that you were supposed to look at cameras and see where things are i did not realize that you were just in one single room and 
and you have to either shut a door, shut a door, turn on a light, turn on a light, look at cameras. And the first and, and, and so the game is set up over the course of a few nights. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't make it to the, the end of the week that you're supposed to play in this game because uh, I got a little spookified. Uh, but you know what? That's OK. I'm a big boy and I can admit it. But uh, in playing this game, so you're you're sitting here and the, the moment you start, the game doesn't tell you anything about how to play. It. There's no tutorial. There's nothing. But as you start, a voice comes on the this <laughs> voicemail recording, this answering machine to kind of tell you a little bit about the world. And, and the more days you play, the more information you get. And basically and that that right there was awesome. It was. It was great. And the, the voice acting was fun. It was interesting. And as you go, as you kind of figure out the game is because this is basically a point and click game, which I did not expect. I expected it to be more like 3D walking around hiding. It's not, at least in this one. It, apparently that might be the case in later games, but it's not the case in this one, which makes sense as to how they were able to put out four games over two years. <laughs> but you're sitting there and you go look at the cameras. And so you go through some of the cameras and like, OK, so there's three of the the animatronics right there. And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, is one of these things going to look at me? They're going to be like a <gasps> jump scare, <gasps> jump scare as it turns and looks. No, it's not. However, what it does do is you click away and all of a sudden the next screen, there it is. Ah! <laughs> and and you're going through. And, and the other side of this is there's a battery icon. Why there's a battery to keep doors shut? I don't understand why there's power limitations at all. But you know what? That's the way the game is set up. That's the way it works. So uh, yeah, that, that is one thing I did want to bring up is the, the power mechanic makes sense as a video game. The power mechanic does not make sense in in the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> in any world to me. And unless they're doing some sort of rolling thing or you're only going to use X amount of power at, at night. Um, I think I read that in the first the first game, they never say when it takes place, but it is largely assumed to have been a, about 1993, which is gleaned from like a paste of that, some, that that is is present somewhere, I think at the end of the game. Uh, I did not uh, beat it. I got to night four and decided that this game was some um, BS. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that I got to night three when in actuality I got to night two. Uh, but uh, I mean, night three. <laughs> so so here, 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 here's the thing. I, I think this game is pretty brilliant as a short form experience. And as that, I think it does exactly what it needs to do very, very well. It gives you this this kind of morsel experience of getting some spooks in and and you can get into it. I, the, the the first night, <laughs> one playthrough I had, I didn't get to the first night because I was stupid because the game does not really necessarily tell you how to play it. And the opening voicemail that you get, it, it basically sets up that, yeah, these things come to life, but it doesn't really tell you how to play the game. It doesn't. And and the first and so so each night you go from like 12 midnight to 6 a.m. And it's really about eight and a half minutes of actual gameplay. If you were to time it out, it's like, I think, eight minutes and 40 seconds, something like that. But uh, which is is the perfect morsel to get this kind of spook in. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the first time I played through it, I uh, went through and was goofing around. I was looking at the cameras and I accidentally hit the escape key on the keyboard, thinking that's how it got me out of out of something in the game. But it just fully quit the game. So I, had, I, I happened to receive the text message uh, that happened after that. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, Drew was not happy. I was upset about it because so then I went back into the game and uh, and I played through and that, that first. So again, it's like eight minutes and 40 seconds. The first night, the voiceover for the, the intro of the 
game is like seven minutes long. It basically talks you through the entire night in that voicemail. And, and, and the thing is, for the first playthrough, that voicemail, I mean, I'm honestly, for for it being the creator, I'm really impressed by the voice acting. Yeah, I think it's really it good. does a great job delivering everything and the way it's done. It just, it has, it has that just that perfect subtle amount of something's not quite right. Yeah. And, and so the idea behind all of this is that, that these animatronics, you never actually see them move. You just see the positions that they're in. And that was an intentional choice because Cawthon believed that that they're scarier that way. Like, yes, if you um, see are you them referring move, to the uh, Indie Game Magazine re- interview? Because yeah, and I that's, agree. That's what I read too. <laughs> I agree with that. It, it, it It's scarier when you just, when I go, when I click around from one camera and, and I go back and all of a sudden there are two animatronics instead of one. And then when I click on another camera, I just see it standing. Or the one, the one camera where it's literally just staring at it's extremely creepy and, and i'm gonna tell you miles one of the times that i died uh, slash the one time that i died before i decided to quit playing the game i was looking around at cameras and i thought i had everything set up properly and my doors were closed i was down to like 20 percent battery life on on everything and i was looking at the cameras because this is different screen when you're looking at the cameras and i closed the cameras and right as i closed the camera there was a motion of a blunt of a of an animatronic <laughs> and it was the game over and it was it's ah! <laughs> it's a very fantastic a very effective jump scare and drew you you did exactly what he wanted uh exactly in, in this in this very same interview they asked him about the the way he created tension and he said providing a false sense of security is essential for a good scare people will be ready for anything when they first begin but after a few minutes they let their guard down and get a little bit closer to the screen that's when you move in <laughs> and they followed up with a question about the power mechanic and he just flat out said because it forces players to leave the doors open when they know that there are terrible things outside it just seemed like a good idea and again from a, ga- a horror gameplay perspective i a hundred percent agree it's just the one thing when thinking about this world that does kind of bug me a bit i mean i guess i came up with like oh well maybe they're you know using an outside power source like a generator or something and because the, the, or the company is too cheap to pay for too much juice so right <laughs> like, like that and i mean i can I, yeah i can forgive that because the same thing happened to me there will be times Times when I'm clicking through and the game does this very very well is I love clicking a spot where I because they'll they'll sit there for a little bit and I never quite understood and I know I could look up a walkthrough to see exactly what you're supposed to do I purposefully didn't they'll they'll hang out in a spot for a, a specific amount of time so I'll get used to them being there but when you click back and they're not there it's and like, then oh. you click a different cam- then you do click a different camera and they're right up in the face it was it the was camera it's like those are like all of those moments are like oh that's that's fun oh yeah yeah and and it's like it's building that tension and building that idea but it was literally looking at the screen that pops up in front of you to look at the cameras pulling down the screen and expecting to see one thing and suddenly seeing this this monster and it was game over it is very effective because a lot of times it's because they don't really tell you how to play the game i'm not always uh, there will be times where i think i've gotten the hang of it and i'm like okay it's gone and then i'll i'll click and then uh, it's a scream that it gets, and it, for the first couple of times it'll all usually get me because a jump scare is the easiest scare you can get in horror for sure um it's it just is it hits everyone from veterans to novices it's it is a good scare to have and the, the thing about this game is and i think as a horror fan what does disappoint me about the game in in insofar is i actually really love the location i love the concept i love the mythology that i've gleaned from some of this stuff i kind of want to explore the pizzeria i kind of 
want to, you know, dig more into this this world they've built. I think it's great because I love the idea of a a possessed animatronic but, from 90s but 90s pizzerias. But here's the alternative to that. You lived in this time. I did. These things that's exi- why I want and, I want you, it. <laughs> you don't need to explore it because you know it. It's been a I part know, of your cultural upbringing for I want for to, 20 years. But I want to explore Freddy Fazbear's pizza. I, I not just the pizzeria. I want to explore the mythology. And I understand that there are books and everything and I'm I'm actually I've been meaning for a while to dive deep into the mythology and there's a recent book I think the Freddy Files that kind of compiles all of the game stuff. Well and, and and this is something that that has gotten more as we have learned in doing research for this show. I don't want to spoil anything about the story of this game, but there is certainly things that are referenced and there's there is a creep factor to what might actually be going on with the with the animatronics at night. So it's 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 funny the way that they explain why the animatronics get up and walk around at night is that if they don't let them do that, then their servo motors lock up so they don't work during the day, <laughs> which is such a funny, goofy thing. Like they don't walk at all. They're not supposed to walk. They're they're animatronics. But in this it's world, great. they do. It's fine. I love that they're treated like divas, basically. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, uh, there, but there is so much about this game that is 100 percent on point. They do. They also mentioned that uh, because of the way they're programmed, uh, if they see you out of a suit, they're going to think that you're an endoskeleton, a robotic endoskeleton, and they're going to try to shove you into a an unused uh, uh, Fazbear suit. But because there are no unused Fazbear suits, they're going to shove you into another robot and you'll be killed, which is just so. So he, here's here's my brain is as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, why did they just get another suit? And why just, don't they just like, make the security guard wear a suit? Yeah, because and I'm, that's what because I want to know about the security then guard. Then there's no game. Basically, I understand that. I understand that. that I, I'm I'm just picking. But well, if if this guard knows this, why was there no effort on his part during the day to to get some sort of suit to be like, all right? So well, so Miles, can I tell you what I have learned from the the Freddy Fazbear? Yeah, go for story. it. Story. Okay. Spoiler warning, gang. Spoilers for the Five Nights at Freddy's game series right now. As you play this game and as you get into to some of the other stuff, um, there is they refer to something called the Bite of 87, which is one of the animatronics going haywire and biting somebody's frontal lobe. And it's kind of a funny thing that happens. But in in some of the hallways that you can look at with the cameras, there are references to a mass murder that occurred on the Fazbear Pizza site that uh, has been basically the, like they name a character, one of the one of the owners who ended up wearing a, a Fazbear suit, a Freddy Fazbear suit and killing a number of, of children and potentially shoving them into the robot bodies. And that the reason these things are, are, are waking up is not because their servo motors are are malfunctioning and they need to move. It's because they're the spirits of these dead children that are possessing the robots and causing that to happen and wanting to recreate the way in which they were killed. I love it. Like I said, I, I very much want to dive into the mythology of this game. I do think, I, I am not certain if I am going to follow up and try to play the rest of the series if they are all like this, because while I do think these are, uh, this is a fun game at a bite size level, I, I don't see myself constantly playing this specific type of game. I do like a good point and click, and I do like this kind of Night Watchman simulation game, but as, as a horror fan and as someone 
who wants to get more. I, this particular game did not hold my gameplay attention for very long. I thought it was very good. As, and, and again, this game came out at $4.99. So I am so, not at all. And I think I bought it for like a 99 cents years ago. <laughs> I, it's been on my Steam library for a long time. I'm not at all upset with the time I spent. I think it's a very effective scare generator. I needed about half an hour with it to, to basically get what I wanted. Right. Out of it. And this is not a criticism. Again, he did this so it would be a short form game. And I would be curious to play some of the other games to see if if, if it maintains this. I would imagine two and three are probably pretty similar at the rate they came out. Uh, so two is is very similar, except I think it gets rid of the doors and it expands some of the other stuff. Um, three. If it gets rid of the doors, then how do you <laughs> because keep them from the, coming in? Well, uh, maybe maybe that's three that does that. I've read all of this stuff. My question still remains. <laughs> um, and then three is at a different location. Uh, but like there there's there's one one of the games that that mixes it up that there's only one animatronic that can actually hurt you but the others are are like astral projection animatronics there's one that is literally a kid in their bedroom afraid of these monsters afraid of the animatronics coming I've to played, life i've played a similar game uh, like that and which is i mean again these are very very good jump scare simulators i get why this game was popular because one they create a great world what scott scott Cawthon did with this game and with his minimal uh you know resources just him the the amount of tension and detail to each little frame each camera is excellent the the sound of this game is really good because when you pop in especially the kitchen that you can't see anything but you can hear some rummaging around and i will say uh my hat's off to the choice of just getting that dum, 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 oh yeah going through the halls horrifying absolutely horrifying. Nah. and this i have is, seen screenshots from this game that are even more creepy than what i have seen like, oh, like golden freddy well not i even see it didn't even see golden freddy i'm just mean like like there's a light that you can turn on the hallway and you can turn off the you can shut the doors and turn on the light and you can see one of the the animatronic i keep mm. calling them monsters you can see one looking into the room at you and it's like ah yes uh when they're especially when they're looking in the room and at first it, yeah it's definitely scary but then sometimes you see it it's, it's just like, it looks like they're gonna go, oh. like it's 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 that kind of like just checking in and make sure you're doing your work like like a boss you but, know but but again that's the that's kind of the the beauty of it is that it's the the animatronics don't have any like they don't look they look like animatronics they don't look angry they don't look mean they just look like these creepy animatronics like you like if you walked into the backstage of a of a rocket fire explosion set and obviously they're not walking around they'd just be sitting there but just like the dead eyes motionless like would happen in those things and it would be phenomenally terrifying yeah and this look my my kind of pick, I'm not even picking on the game. I do think it's an excellent game and it's excellent at what it, it, it tries to achieve. It's just that to clarify, I love taking things, especially from my childhood, but from the 80s and 90s, because I, I do kind of look at that as a little bit of a golden age of developing pop culture, especially with video games and, and technology and stuff. I love the idea of taking something from that era, like like the Rock of Fire explosion and a pizza joint and making a horror IP out of it. I, I, I love that. And that's what I want to explore more is i really i like that kind of thing and like this like if i had the option i would i would have loved for someone to do a stranger things type show where that was the case <laughs> and it's a bummer that that it's going to take so long because according to Cawthon, basically i think he's got like some sort of creative say in the script for the film which uh, would make the, some sense yeah and basically he's not really going to let them do it unless there's some degree uh and i'm sure they're probably 
trying to fight that. Uh, Blumhouse is doing it, which it could be good, could be bad. We don't know, but I, I would imagine it's going to be a five to seven dollar million picture because uh, they don't tend to spend that much money, and this wouldn't require that much money. The question is how to do a, a movie correctly, and I don't know if adapting the game from this perspective is the right move because I feel like that's an adult story, and this game became a hit with you know, the, the tween and teen audience. I think it might be worth trying to do something a little bit different, and that, that's one thing I, I do. I love about, about Five Nights at Freddy's. I love the character design. I love the pizzeria. I, I even like checking through the cameras. I think everything they do to elicit tension and terror in this game works. And, th- and that's why I, I'm not coming down too hard on it just being a jump scare generator because, again, it never purports to be anything other than what it is. And what it does, it does exceptionally well. And this is where I want to turn it to a little bit of our theme, which is the, our, our trunk or treat. And we talk about this as, as something like, I wouldn't put, I would not sit my six-year-old daughter in front of this game. I think no. it would be a little too creepy for her. But my almost nine-year-old son, who likes scary things, I wonder if this is something that he would get into. I, he might be a little on the younger side for that personally, but just just knowing that, him. But he's not that's creep- totally your call. But he's not creeped out by much. But because I look at this as a parent and I see this is a game that is, it's creepy, but at least based on what I played, it's not, there's no foul language in it. There's, no, except, the- for, except for the words that I screamed when I got scared. <laughs> uh, there's no blood at all. You don't see these things moving, which is both a a, a blessing and a curse when it comes to, to how this game plays. I, I can absolutely see why this game caught on with the demographic that it caught on with, because it's not it's, it's as as a grown man. I can see, like I can see through some of this stuff like I was not creeped out like, oh, all of a sudden when the when the 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 animatronic disappeared, when there was three and it went to two, it was like, oh, OK, so this is how they're going to do when I clicked on one room and there was suddenly one sitting in front of me. It's like, oh, <laughs> so that's what they're going to do. I can see how the people could find this scary. It wasn't until that last big jump scare that really got me that I was like, ah! Uh, and, and I can see that being kind of a, I don't want to say an innocent fun scare, but I mean, here's but the thing is, yeah, yeah, this, this game is, I would borderline call it PG 13 because of this, 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 uh, because of the, the, the description that the or the, the, the prior night watchman gives you where, but he's, he's not even that gratuitous in the way he, he explains what will happen to you. But with that and how I, knowing the MPAA and how, like, I, I, I would say this like more PG 13 because of because of quote unquote scary imagery. But in terms of actual content, yeah, like Drew said, it's pretty innocent. Like, yes, there are walking animatronics around. But think about Are You Afraid of the Dark and Eerie Indiana. This concept would not be alien in either of those shows. All, all this all this game does is take the concept and take it very, very seriously and treat it like a horror story. But it doesn't it doesn't dress it up with blood and gore. There's I mean, obviously there's no sex there's no violence even when you're being attacked it just shows the the thing jumping out at you and it's game over so honestly you can almost chop chop this up to something that kids would tell over a campfire you know they're gonna tell something to try to spook you and this game does a good job of trying to spook you but other than that kind of traditional scary story trauma i don't think this does anything harder than that yeah it's all it's all just a simple jump scare and and then oh and then you're you're done uh based yeah. on, based on what I'm reading, all the parents out there, if you average them all together, say that this is a 12 plus game. All the kids out there say that this is an 11 plus 
plus game. So, <laughs> which I mean, still, I mean, that that's honestly, it's a fair score because I think you're right. I mean, I think some people might be on the younger side. Maybe a brave nine, eight, nine, ten year old would play it and be fine. But on on average, yeah, eleven plus seems about right, and then twelve, thirteen is like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, the, I, I, I could easily the, see that. The ESRB rates it as T for teen, at least for the first game, uh, based fair. on other reviews, uh, other other releases. So so let that be. <laughs> <laughs> man these things are creepy i'm looking at them again and it's yeah, just I, yeah I, yeah and i think he does a really good job at a listener that creep factor even though i find the art style sometimes a little off for me like not off in a good way like i get that he took what he was doing and just made it creepier but i i kind of wish that they weren't so glossy i kind of wish there was some noticeable like there is fur and feathers and stuff but i kind of wish they looked a little bit more rock of fire well, you know well you know when when the game comes out i uh, in 2020, Five Nights at Freddy's Security yeah. Breach for the PlayStation 5. It's going to have real-time ray tracing. So yeah, <laughs> what well, I think Help Wanted was a VR game. I uh, there was a VR game. Uh, I don't remember I which think one it's it Help was. Wanted, um, which I would imagine would be fun, but at the same time would would probably be the same thing. It just gets you kind of more in the Five Nights at Freddy's mode. I don't know. Like, again, I would say I will say this. While I appreciate what this game is in Morsels, I would love a full fledged survival horror game based in this universe i would love it i i, I want to be able to explore i kind of want like a so silent hill-esque kind of story it's a no from me fam it's a no from I, me i understand that drew but that that's just <laughs> it, i will i would love i would love that but I, i'm definitely going to be venturing more into the into the mythology of this series and probably buying some of the books and stuff because i do love a lot of what this does narratively so again i think that i think this game is great for what it is it's not the kind of game that i will play very often but but as a something to get your blood pumping, as a good little tension uh, giver, it's a it's a really solid game. I, I would definitely t- tell tell like my friends and stuff to play it if they wanted something quick and easy. Yeah. Uh, so that I think is going to wrap up our coverage on Five Nights at Freddy's, the original game in the series. Uh, so, Miles, I have to ask you again, and I'm getting a little creeped out. I'm getting a little spookified here in this October season. <laughs> what, what are we doing next week? Well. So next week, I really wanted to do comic books because we've done movies, we've done TV shows, we've done games, we've done books. And unfortunately, the two main ones that I wanted to do are not at all easily available for most people. Uh, the one, which is called Little Gloomy, and it's perfect. It is perfect for this theme and this season. So perfect that it was actually commissioned by Disney to be part of their Disney Adventure magazine for a long time. This is good stuff. It's just hard to find copies. You can get them on, on Amazon physically, but they're not on Comixology. And the same goes for uh, Dead Endia, which was a, a book that came out a couple years ago. I think there's two volumes now, and it's going to be a Netflix animated show in 2021. And the only you can get that on Amazon easily. The creator just doesn't care for comicsology, so <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that. So, so instead, we're not doing those. But what are we doing? No, but I, I wanted I wanted to, to mention those two titles because if you are interested in comics, those two titles. If you want something really fun for your kids, little gloomy is going to be excellent. If you want something very Steven Universe adjacent, Dead Endia is going to be right up your alley. The art style looks just like it. Um, but next week, you know, I've been so I've been so light on you, Drew. Next week, I want you to be scared stupid. So we are going back in time to the early 90s to watch our good friend Ernest P. Worrell in his Halloween themed film, Ernest Scared Stupid. And <laughs> ah. I am so excited to 
to go back and watch this. I loved this movie watching it I back in the Ernest. day. I love <laughs> Ernest too. We are two Southern millennials and we love Ernest. And that's just going to be, that's probably a new podcast we'll yeah, watch we, soon. We, have, we, we had this whole like <laughs> come to Jesus moment where we're like, I love Ernest. Too. And we had yeah. this whole conversation about being Southern millennials. Miles so, cried. I I shed yeah. a single tear. It was it was just and Jim we, Barney, we accidentally man. created a sec a sec a third podcast uh, now. But so we are going to go back and watch Ernest Scared Stupid is available to, to rent on every digital platform and free if you have a library card on Hoopla. Ah. That's H O O P L A. So you can use that as one of your seven uh, rentals for the month and I, get completely I, free. The thing is, I remember liking this movie a lot i do not remember a single thing about it and i have not seen it in more than 20 years i i have had this movie on dvd for a very long time i i show well, i'll of talk about this more next have. week of course you yeah have. i well we're going to talk a lot about Ernest next week but i am very very excited and it's especially for a a kid-friendly trunk or treat horror themed movie you could not go wrong with Ernest, jim varney himself and eartha kit catwoman is in this movie and i i can't wait if you haven't seen this movie and you want something that just is just fun i cannot recommend this movie enough i am excited to dive back into this with drew because it's been a while since i've seen it that's the last i saw it last halloween and yeah i'm i can't wait to to go into some artist to be perfectly honest <laughs> know what i mean uh so with that said uh we're gonna end the episode here if you would like to reach out to us you can find us at the more you nerd on twitter at the more for our entire back catalog of shows and of course you can find us at facebook.com slash the more you nerd you can also email us the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com and now we'll end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd jump scare